0: There's no better time to become a member of the DSR Network. Later this month, we'll be announcing a major media partnership to our ever-expanding lineup of podcasts, bringing you even more insight and analysis than ever before. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, an evening newsletter recapping the day's top stories, and more. Best of all, If you become a member in the month of October, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code SPOOKY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code SPOOKY. Thank you very much for your support.
1: Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I am DJR David Rothkopf, your co-host for all of this. And I am joined as every day by master of everything here, Chris Cotmore How are you doing, Chris? Doing well today, thanks. And associate master of everything, Riley M. Fessler. How are you doing today, Riley?
2: No complaints today,
1: not yet anyway. Well, it's early yet, at least when we are recording this. Um, what do you got, Chris? what's uh, what's or let me start with Riley, Riley, what do you got? What's your the first story of your day?
2: Yeah, so just kind of some updates on the situation in Gaza and Israel. Um, so despite his summit being canceled, uh, Biden had a phone meeting with the Egyptian President, which actually resulted in a kind of interesting deal where the Egyptian president agreed to open up a crossing into Gaza and allow twenty trucks filled with humanitarian aid. And actually, Netanyahu as well said Israel would would not be stopping this. So, you know, definitely a positive development, uh, a very tangible kind of result for Biden's visit to the region. And he also said that he would be allowing, or he approved rather, 100 million U.S. dollars for funding to be allocated to the support of Palestinian civilians
1: yeah i think I, I think it was a super successful trip i did a column uh yesterday in the daily beast still up at the daily beast uh in which i said biden took a gamble and it paid off even if he did not uh actually uh, meet with the regional leaders outside of israel because of the explosion at the hospital um uh he did get a lot done it included those things meeting with the israeli cabinet uh Um, being able to send a clear message to them that humanitarian issues and international law still matter, as well as a message of support. Um, And he left clearly the most popular politician in Israel. I would add one thing to what you're saying, and that is, of course, that tonight, um, this is Thursday, we're recording this, President Biden will be giving an address uh, in which he will be seeking funding for Israel. The White House termed it unprecedented funding, uh, it is expected that the total package that he asked for will be about $100 billion. Um, uh, um, the, 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 the bulk of it actually going to Ukraine, in addition to a substantial portion going to Israel. And that's going to tee up one of the first big challenges um, for Congress whenever we get a functioning Congress again, um, because getting that through which should be simple since a majority of people in both houses support it, may not be, given the bomb throwers and uh, others on the far right who have made progress in the House um, uh, that difficult. I think, Chris, one of your stories was about all that, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So here we are, uh, still without a speaker, still without a clear front runner. Jim Jordan is not going to be the Speaker of the House. hate to tell everyone who was, you know, aching for him to be the next great speaker of of the house. But what it says to me is, you know, we and 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 you know, and in, in the context of the other stories that we're reporting today, grateful that we still have countries that support the United States when Biden goes to visit them. It's, you know, and still revered um because we can't even elect a leader of the house of representatives um in our in our own country it's and and we're here for the second time this year it's 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 ludicrous
1: uh it, it no it certainly is ludicrous we don't seem closer what we do seem closer to is a temporary solution um as i think ari melber said on msnbc the the, the the election equivalent of um, uh, uh, continuing resolution where they take the uh, uh, temporary uh, Speaker of the House, a um, uh, little guy named McHenry, and make him Speaker pro tem for a while, possibly through the beginning of January, because they can't arrive on any other solution. I'll make a prediction here. If they do that, he will be the speaker pro tem through next year's election <laughs> because right. they will not be able to find anybody to replace him. What's 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 your next big story there, Riley?
2: Yeah, so this one actually kind of ties into my last story but also takes place here in sunny DC with this pretty significant protest inside of one of the house office buildings, the Cannon Building, where 300 protesters were actually arrested for protesting inside the building and it was a rally organized by the jewish voice for peace and if not now and the purpose was to demand a ceasefire in israel so the big kind of narrative on social media that i'm seeing is coming from a lot of right-wing voices trying to equivocate this with january 6th which is of course you know in my view a pretty ridiculous comparison but nonetheless that's kind of what is Dominating my my social media feed on this, which I think is a pretty troubling. Narrative. Is your is your social media feed dominated by right wingers that are? You know, it seems to be. I don't know what that says about me, but that's always what I see when I go to my trending. Is what Marjorie Taylor Greene is up to. You're from Ohio. It's that's because you're from Ohio. Um,
1: I know. That, it's my, but my but original that's sin. okay. Now that you live in the nation's capital, all that will change. Uh, I look, you know, more seriously. Uh, Not only should people look at these protests, but people should understand that in the months ahead, as this likely invasion of Gaza takes place, um, you are going to see more and more protests. And the further away we get from the proximate cause of all this, which was the terror attacks on October 7th, the more and more the debate is going to be shaped by old grievances, historical grievances, Uh, the, the feelings of resentment towards Israel of many Palestinians. Uh, and vice versa. That's going to lead to anti Semitism. It's going to lead to anti Muslim hate. Uh, and it's going to be particularly acute right now because feelings are so intense on these issues. Uh, President Biden, in one of the best things that he did while he was in Israel, said, let's not make the mistakes again that we made after 9 11 because we saw what happened when we were inflamed by these passions. Uh, And I worry, uh, and I think everybody should be uh, concerned about the likelihood that high passions uh, will be exacerbated by the conflict to come. And that's going to lead not only to big protests, but it's going to lead to acts of violence, acts of hate, uh, and things that will touch all of us wherever we live. Uh, Chris, what do you got?
0: Yesterday we reported um, the latest in the use of attackums in the Ukraine-Russia war. It seems that Russia has, has retaliated with a strike on a, uh, residential uh, building in Zaporizhia. I think, you know, one, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Biden's speech this evening will be addressing funding for Ukraine because we cannot obviously forget what's going on there in the, in the midst of the, Israel, um, and Gaza conflict. Um, but in, you know, in this latest strike, 10 civilians were killed. Um, you know, and, and again, what strikes me is, you know, we're really starting to blur the lines here between, you know, what is acceptable during wartime. Um, and, and what isn't because of innocent civilians, you know, wh- whether we're talking about Gaza or talking about Ukraine are in the middle of all this, um, who didn't necessarily ask to be here. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good. I, I, I feel good that we're keeping this, obviously this huge story in the news. Um, and that as a country, we're still addressing the needs of the Ukrainians, um, through, through all this.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Civilians are always casualties in war. They were casualties in Dresden. They were casualties in Hiroshima. Uh, they've been casualties in Wall wars. But that does not mean that we should not prioritize their care. Uh, it's, it's illegal to attack civilians. Uh, what Russia has done throughout this war is that. Um, and if you are for... Um, Uh, The protection of civilians in one place, you should be for the protections of civilians someplace else, whether that is Israel and also Palestine or Israel and Palestine and also Ukraine, Uh, or frankly, Israel, Palestine, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, And I think uh, that's uh, uh, that's the principled stand. And I think uh, we're going to we're going to have to encounter that. Uh, We're going to do an interesting podcast, by the way, on Friday uh, tomorrow, which people can listen to perhaps over the weekend um um w- on our podcast that looks at uh, weapons technologies and defense uh because the russians are making noises about starting up nuclear testing again uh and one of the things that the russians will be able to do if they do that is use nuclear tests as a as a way of sending a message and seeking to intimidate the west it's a very important story to watch it is not getting much coverage uh, I encourage everybody to listen for that.
2: Uh, Riley? Well, speaking of Russia, um, my final story is about Foreign Minister Lavrov visited North Korea to meet with Kim Jong-un and his counterpart, uh, the North Korean Foreign Minister. So it's kind of a an addition to yesterday's story of Putin in Beijing, with Russia seemingly doing this kind of goodwill diplomatic tour. So it seems like he... Uh, He being Lavrov in this case was trying to kind of just shore up more support with North Korea and double down on their relationship after they sent arms recently. And kind of one of the more bizarre aspects of his visit was him trying to encourage Russians to take trips to North Korea for tourism, Mm. which seemed kind of a maybe strange
1: choice. But but Donald Trump said if they just built some hotels on those beaches, that North Korea could be a big tourist destination. Uh, and he knows a lot about those things. He has taken a lot of tourist destinations and bankrupted them. Um, uh, I, I you know, I would say one thing, uh, and that is Russia, uh, China, right now, coming out of the Belt and Road Summit that we talked about yesterday, uh, on into this event, on into the protests you were talking about, they think the wind is at their back. They think that what is going on in Gaza is distracting people from Ukraine. Uh, but that it is also inflaming the views of people across the global South against what they see as the U.S. and countries close to the U.S., in this case Israel. Um, and uh, so they they kind of feel like their movement of being the alternative uh, to the U.S.-dominated view of the world is gaining steam. And that's obviously something we need to watch because um, it's important not just in these conflicts but in political situations around the world. Uh, Chris, you have, I know, an excellent last story here.
0: The last story is uh, Argentina will go to the polls this Sunday in the first round of their presidential election. Um, The leading candidate at this point is Javier Malay, who is, um, I guess, their version of, you know, our sort of right wing here. Um, In terms of of candidates, Argentina is facing their largest economic crisis in two decades. Inflation is expected to rise above 200% uh, by the end of 2023. Um, And while it's not likely that Malai is going to be uh, elected in the first round because he won't have enough votes um, of the three candidates... There'll be a runoff election in November. Um, It's an important election to pay attention to, uh, you know, because there obviously are neighbors to the south. Um, And, you know, this this is a crisis, you know, that that is really impacting the people there as well. Uh, Per
1: an article in today's Wall Street Journal, which I encourage everybody to read, because this guy is worth reading about Millay's other dogs are named Milton Friedman. (laughs) Uh, Robert Lucas and Murray Rothbard after right-wing economists. His girlfriend is a comedian uh, and an impersonator. Uh, he has stopped cutting his hair and says that the invisible hand combs my hair, reference to free market economics. Um, he was a uh, professional soccer goalie and a coach of tantric sex, um, Uh, So this is one of the more interesting characters running for public office in the world today. Uh, That Wall Street Journal story, by the way, is called Wild-Haired. Former rocker promises to remake Argentina if elected president. He is expected to finish first in the polling on Sunday, but there is expected to be a runoff after that with one of the other candidates. Uh, Certainly. Uh, uh keep an eye on that one, if only for its very high entertainment value. Uh, that's it for us today. We will come back tomorrow with more. We've been thinking one thing that we'd like to do is answer your questions. So if you reach out to us via the member Slack, or if you reach out to us via Twitter, or you reach out to us via email or Carrier Pigeon, uh, and you've got a question for us to try to answer, even if it requires some research, we'll answer it right here on the DSR Daily. So uh, come after us with those questions and we'll try to make this uh, a responsive podcast to you and what's interesting to you. Until then, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, everybody, for listening and (laughs) bye-bye.